Hello and welcome. This is the Birds vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, Amir Grigic, and today with me is uh, Damir Pekic. He's uh, one of the founders of uh, Bio Bottle. So welcome, Damir. Good day, Amir. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's, uh, it's my first podcast, so I'm very excited. And uh, I hope I can share you some uh, useful information for you and your lis- listeners. Of course, of course. So let's start off a little bit uh, about you. So could you tell me a little bit about your background and also how you got to start uh, this, uh, this company that you're running right now? Yes, of course. So as you can hear from my name, uh, it's not really Dutch. Uh, I was born in former Yugoslavia. Uh, when I was six, I came to the Netherlands with my parents, and uh, well, I I studied logistics and economics. But I always knew when I was young that I wanted to start a big company. Uh, I was I was dreaming as a child about an empire, <laughs> <laughs> and it was weird because uh, what child of twelve thinks about these things? And uh, so when when I finished my studies, uh, logistics and economics, I worked for five different companies in seven different functions within five years' times. So as you can hear, I was really searching for something. Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, I, I know I want to start my own company, but why not learn as much as possible in a very short time? So that's why I just switched from one company to the other and did a lot of different functions just to learn how the corporate world works, how factories work, how the office work, how finance works, how purchasing works, sales, marketing, all these kind of things. And at some point, I was working for one of the largest um, yeah, plastic converters in, uh, in the world called uh, RPC, Rigid Plastic Converter. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I became their uh, sales and business development manager. Mm-hmm. And... That was at a very young age. I was 26 years old at that time. And um, it was a, a really great function because I can learn a lot of uh, the plastic industry in a very short time. So I talked with a lot of different stakeholders um, and uh, learned a lot of the materials, but also the production techniques and also the challenges that we have within the plastic industry. Mm-hmm. And in the two years that I worked for them, um, I saw three big challenges that we have within the plastic industry. So, not in a chronological chronological way, yeah. <laughs> difficult world word, uh, but like from the 311 billion kilograms of plastic that we produce every year, and that's becoming larger and larger, uh, only nine percent of that is recycled. So. A lot of it is burnt uh, legally or illegally, dumped, um, or uh, just kept in the product. Uh, but around about 9% is collected for waste. So that was one. The second is, um, well, because the plastic is not all recycled, a lot of it gets uh, as a waste in, uh, in, plast- in, in the oceans, but also in the nature. And we all know about plastic soup. Uh, Boyan Slot is really doing his work to yeah, fix that. Yep. But um, for every minute that I spoke, already one garbage truck full of plastics is being dumped in the oceans. And um, if it's you, not good. <laughs> it's not really good. No, 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 no. It's like uh, 8 billion kilograms of plastics every year we dump in the oceans. Hmm. Because we can't recycle it or why why does that happen actually that that's that's i think a good point to to make 
Uh, well, one, because we use much more plastic than we did back in the days. It's really getting larger and larger. And if you look at 2050, the forecast is that we're going to produce four times more than we do right now mm-hmm. if we continue in this pace. Um, so it's the consumption. So if you see it, in you, when you walk in a supermarket, you see all around you, you see plastic. Yep. And when you have like a candy bar, there's plastic around it. And um, especially in developing countries, you see the people, um, they don't have a very good recycling stream. So um, when people eat something and finish it, they throw the plastic and they think like somebody's going to clean this up. <laughs> it will magically disappear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but if, if there's a large wind, and especially if it's islands like Philippines or Indonesia, um, these plastics get into the oceans and um, that way we get it in Europe as well, but also in the United States. So it, it goes through the whole world. So it's the, the consumption of plastic is getting larger and larger. Uh, there's not a really good recycling stream, especially in developing countries. So people throw it away and it gets through the rivers and canals and it gets into the oceans. Yeah. yeah. So and, that's one. And, and that's, that's uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but that, that's also the reason why uh, you felt to start something new as well, right? Because you saw that uh, the companies that uh, they didn't get it yet that they need to change this behavior, right? Uh, yeah, it's especially... Like I always say to myself and to others, like plastic doesn't have feet and walk to the shoreline and just do a bomb into the <laughs> water. And they're like, yeah, I'm into the water. No, it's like we the people, we do it. Um, so we have to look at ways how to make sure that we use less plastic. Yeah. And when we use plastic, to use the right plastic. And when I mean, when I talk about the right plastic, then I talk about uh, a plastic which is recyclable. Mm-hmm and there there are no toxins in it. Um, But also, and that's the third thing that I didn't didn't tell you yet about the challenges within the plastic industry, is the fact, and not a lot of people know about this, but for 60 years long, we've been using oil, fossil oil, for our basics, for our basic material for plastics. Mm. So at the moment, more than 99% of all plastic in the world is made from fossil oil. and uh, if you look at 2050, it, it will become even more larger, like four times larger than now. Mm. So at the moment, right now, we use more fossil oil for the plastic industry than the complete aviation industry together. So we're all talking about we want to fly, we should fly less. Mm. But if you use less plastic, your impact will be the same. Or even larger. Or even larger, yes. Mm. So... Those are the three challenges that I described for myself. So one, uh, only 9% is recycled. Yeah. Uh, the plastic soup and other natural disasters that we created with plastics. And the third one is uh, get rid of the oil plastics and switch to bioplastics, an mm. alternative. So I was in that role and uh, as a business development manager. And um, for me, it was, really, uh, it was a great role because I could make impact from the inside, yeah. I thought. So I talk with clients, with my customers, but also new customers uh, about uh, their new products that they want to they wanna get produced at our factory. Um, and I, I started to talk with them about bioplastics as an alternative to the oil plastic that, we're, that they've been using already. Mm. And I've been doing that for 
I, I, I did that for almost a year and I tried to persuade them to switch. And uh, at some point I was sitting and there was like a meeting, you know, there are a lot of people at a meeting and I just said, okay, for that product, bioplastics could be a very good alternative. And there were like six people sitting there and uh, one woman, like five men, one, one woman. And when I said bioplastics, I thought she would support me. Yeah. You know, she would stand beside me because women are in general more conscious about the environment. That's yep. my opinion. And she was the only one that laughed at me. Crazy. So she was laughing because I just said bioplastics. I was like, what's so funny about it? You know, it's like, that's the future. That's the new plastic. And, um, and that were, for me, that was the turning point. I was like, okay, this industry is never going to change from the inside. I have to get to the customers, so the, um, the consumers. Mm -hmm. And when consumers demand something from the market, the market has to adapt. Yeah. Because if it doesn't, if there's one party, let's say like Tesla, and they make really cool cars that are fast, innovative, and people want them, and they get a new car like a Tesla Model 3 that's even uh, you know, priceable. You can pay for it. It's it's not like a hundred thousand euros. Yeah. But it's also for the normal citizen. And people want it, and you lose market share. Let's say Volkswagen or Ford or all the other companies, they have to adapt to what Tesla is offering the customers because the customers, yep. the consumers, they want electric driving. So, for me, that's uh, that was like the strategy in my head. Like, make sure that the consumers demand of the market that we use the right bioplastics. Yeah, and that's also the the point where you start wanted to start a company and you started the company. Yeah. And you, you started with uh, creating a bottle out of bioplastic, right? Uh, or at least that's the, the first product that uh, that came from your company. So wh why a bottle? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's maybe a good question to start off with. Wh why a bottle? Yeah, so like three and a half years ago, um, I made the decision in my head that I wanted to start my own company. Mm -hmm. First, I applied for Tesla to work there because uh, I find uh, Elon Musk a real visionary who is changing the world for the good. And I thought, okay, let's try one more employer to see if I can work there, you know? Mm -hmm. But in my head, I was like already like, no, 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 you can't work for any, anyone anymore. Like you have to start your own company. So I, I, I did apply for a function and I did through the whole um, procedure to get that job. And I got the job. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was here in the, uh, the, the, the headquarters in Amsterdam. I got the job, but I was like, you know, my feeling was saying, no, 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 you have to start for yourself. But the other side of me was saying, no, no, but this is Tesla. You can't refuse Tesla. <laughs> and uh, That's a tricky decision to make, I think. It was a tricky decision. Yeah. And, uh, but I decided to start my own company, and they were really surprised that uh, Tesla, that I refused their offer. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. But it was the best decision ever. So uh, I decided three and a half years to go that I want to start my own company and uh, run about. And, and then I had the idea, I have to start with a product. So what we do is uh, we offer lifestyle reusable products made from different bioplastics. Mm -hmm. That's what PO does. Yeah. To accelerate the transition to bioplastics. Very That's simple. Yeah. And, um, but we have to start with, with the first product. And for us, the first product, it had to be something that people talk about and people use every day. And it has to be an object or product that you see and where you can 
you can grab it and you can tell the story about it. So at some point, my sister, she, um, it, was, it was like uh, Christmas and uh, we were b buying gifts for each other. And my sister gave me a Mizu reusable water bottle made from uh, RVS. And uh, she was like, but I wanted to give you something else. But that product was sold out, but it's really sustainable. I was like, now I'm really curious. Like, yeah. what's that sustainable bottle? And then uh, she opened the website and she, she showed me a dopper. And a lot of people know dopper and uh, I really love their mission. It's great. You know, we have to use less single-use plastic bottles, spat bottles, uh, because that's also a part of the bottles that we get into the plastic oceans. Yeah. But then I looked at the bottle itself, and as with my material knowledge and my recy recycling knowledge and stuff like that, I looked at a different way at that bottle, and I thought to myself, this bottle is made from three different materials, incomplete, it's not recyclable when you throw it away, especially the white part is, it has like um, two components, uh, mm -hmm. um, plastic inverted in each other, so it's ABS and TPE, and you cannot recycle that together. <laughs> So I was like, and it's not bioplastic, it's made from oil-based plastic and it's not from recyclable plastic. So it's a virgin material that's not recyclable and complete. Um, so the bottle itself, for me, it's not, it's not sustainable. It could be much more sustainable. And then I thought, but this is perfect because a bottle, you always have it with you. Everybody drinks water. You can put it on your office table. You put it in, your, uh, in the train, uh, at your gym. Yeah. Uh, it's always with you. And... Nowadays, all the hipsters, they wear it in their, in their backpack. backpack. <laughs> so you can see it from the side. I saw that one on your backpack as well. <laughs> is, yeah. that, is that saying that you're a hipster as well? <laughs> oh, you got me, man. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be a hipster. <laughs> no, no, but it's, sell it's true. It's true. It, it, it is being used heavily, right? I, I see lots, lots of people doing it, right? Everybody has that kind of water bottle in their backpack or, as you said, in the gym or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, and water is very important for you, like next to oxygen and water and food, it's like the basic uh, things that you need, so yeah. everybody drinks it. So then I was like, okay, this is perfect. We will start with a product that's uh, really easy to use, uh, and, um, and after that we can put more products into the market, if I can tell you a bit more about it yeah, later. Yeah, sure, yeah. So like three and a half years ago that the idea started two years ago. I quit my job and um, I went 100% for a bio bottle hmm. or BO, but the bottle was the first product. Yeah. So um, that's the story about how we got to the bottle. Yeah, oh, very cool. And the the, uh, the cool thing is so uh, to go into that bioplastic thing a little bit more. So, what is the bottle made from? Yeah. So you can. Um, the original material is sugarcane. So it, it, it's um, when you when they plant uh, when they harvest sugarcane, uh, they do that especially in the tropical countries like uh, Brazil or Thailand, um, but also like Australia, where the climate is right. Uh, when they cut it, when it's fully ripe, it grows one to two times a year, and the plant itself can go on for five years before yeah. you have to plant a new plant. Uh, so when it's fully grown, you cut it and then you put it in, you crunch it. And when you crunch it, the juices get out. And uh, for our materials, they crunch it 
first two times. So they do a first crunch, uh, juices get out. Second crunch, juices get out. And they use that for the food, in, food industry. Mm-hmm. But at the third and the fourth crunching, they make bioethanol from it. And okay. it's like a biofuel for your car. And they yeah. use it especially in uh, Brazil. But from that bioethanol, you can also make bio-polyethylene or bioethylene. Um, and from the bioethylene, you can make a bio-high-density polyethylene or low-density polyethylene, but also thermoplastomer. Yeah. So uh, you can make materials that already exist nowadays that are made from oil, but you can make them from naturally renewable materials like sugarcane. Ah, okay. okay. So that material is technically the same as an oil-based TPE or high-density polyethylene. So it's really easy to recycle this product because uh, the waste stream or the recycling stream that's already been used at the moment is also suitable for this material. Yeah. So that, for me, was uh, the reason to pick this material first. Okay. And So just just to clarify that a little bit more, so um, basically what you're saying is that Currently, we use these kind of fuels like, I mean, it's oil, uh, it's oil-based. So we use that oil to create plastic. And basically what you're saying is that the, the same thing that you can use for, uh, for creating that plastic that we normally use, you can just say, okay, in this process of uh, crunching that sugarcane, as you mentioned, you can actually get some material that also can create plastic, right? Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's 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 what uh, basically what you're doing with your bottle as well. That that's what it's made of. So, is it from from my perspective, is it a hundred percent bioplastic, or how, how do you how do you define that? Yeah. So uh, the material itself that we use, we say it's at least ninety four percent bioplastic. Okay. And the reason we do that is because uh, partially the the ring in the middle. And the ring in the cap mm-hmm. is uh, made from a biothermoplastomer. Mm-hmm. But that thermopla- biothermoplastomer is uh, specifically designed and made for our application, for our product, mm-hmm. uh, from a company called Hexpol in Sweden. And um, we had to start with a lower bio-based amount because technically we couldn't get it right yet. Mm. So we are not 100% yet, but in steps we are enlarging it to make it 100% if possible in the future. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the body of the, the bottle itself, so the cap and the upper part and lower part, and that's more like, that's like more than 95% of the complete weight of the product. It's made from a bio-high density polyethylene. Mm. And this material could be 100% bio-based, but just to be sure, we communicate it's 94% bio-based yeah. because uh, the company that delivers it, they, um, they produce at the same production line, they also produce oil-based high-density polyethylene. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know when you get this package of food and at the back it says it could contain peanuts or different substances? Yeah, traces of peanuts yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So it could contain also false oil-based uh, uh. High-density polyethylene. That's why we communicate at least 94%. Yeah, but for in newer versions, it could be that you grow more to that 100% that you want to get, right? Yeah, definitely. And we are working towards that, but I think uh, 94% is a very good result. Yeah, very very good. Yeah, so for 
just to step back a little bit uh, when you started out so how do you actually start a company like this that, that I think that's interesting to note because uh, there goes uh, I talked a bit about it uh, a little bit but um, we create digital products right so a digital mm-hmm. product you don't really need uh, you don't need a factory for that you just need some people that can actually create some software or cre- can create it but when you create a physical product that someone can actually use and take with them and have a uh, a nice nicely designed bottle uh how, how does that work because that process is a little bit different right so you need more things you need like a design uh you need to have a factory that's going to produce it uh, so how did you go about that by how did you start that so how do you how do you where do you start <laughs> that's yeah. actually the question where do you start when you have to all, do all these kinds of things yeah well it all started with the idea of what i wanted to do with bio sure uh but at some point uh i was like okay i have to start now and i was saving a lot of money at that time just spending nothing and saving everything yeah and uh, I lived very cheap. Uh, I had a company car, so I didn't have a lot of expenses. So I saved like more than a thousand euros every month. And I just put it aside, you know, everything. And when I, when I had a lot of money, I thought to myself, okay, we have to start with a design. You know, like a brand name and stuff like that. We'll, f- we'll fix that later, but let's start with a design. That's because, look good. Yeah, because when I have a design, it's really good. I can 3D print it, make a prototype of it. And nowadays you can 3D print SLA and it's like uh, you can see through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not ugly 3D printing of uh, like yeah, usually years the, ago. Yeah, usually the plastic is kind of a weird, it, it doesn't look good. Let, let's put exactly. it like that. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I paid for the design. I, I met a designer and we had a good talk and it really clicked. He wanted to do something with uh, bioplastics. I needed a design and he was specialized in bottles. So it was a really, yeah, it was really match made easy. In to, yeah, it's really a match made in heaven. Uh, he called himself the bottle designer as well. So it was, it was fun. Um, but um, we started out. And we were just, you know, making a lot of designs. Uh, he was making it. I was just being critical. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that, I, I'm paying him. Paying you're him. paying it. <laughs> I was the customer, yeah. So uh, at some point we had something. And I was like, okay, this is really cool. We have to do this. And uh, at that time we switched to a more technical company who can engineer the design more. Mm-hmm. And they engineered it. And I said to them, okay, I don't have that much more money anymore. You know, I always almost spend everything i need to have a design that's a uh, uh, minimal how do you call it again how is it called in the lean startup a oh well, a minimal viable product yeah i need a minimal viable product yeah uh, so i can show it to the world uh, what my idea is yeah and they they made a minimal viable uh, viable product and i 3d printed it and it cost me like two and a half thousand euros for one 3d print but I had, a, I had a really good looking 3D print prototype bottle and everybody already thought that I had the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> but, Where can I buy it? <laughs> yeah. But it was like two and a half thousand euros. But if you want to develop the tools to make products like this, you need around about a hundred thousand euros. Yeah. So it was a very small investment compared to what I needed. So I had a product and uh, I made like, uh, I made the product as this right now, but I also like um, made it with a blue cap and a, and a green cap. And I thought to myself, okay, if I just put water in it and put a liquid 
uh, of color, mm. you know, and just mix it. Then because I it's have, see-through. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. see-through. So yeah. then I have a, a green bottle because otherwise it will ah. cost me like 7,500 euros because <laughs> I have to do 3D prints. So my idea at that moment was, okay, I have a design now. Uh, I asked a marketing agency to make uh, a brand name for me and, you know, stuff like that. We made a website. And I was like, okay, uh, I know I need, uh, I need like uh, 80,000 euros. Let's do a Kickstarter. I'll make like 200,000 euros and then we can start the company. That was my idea like two and a half years ago. And that didn't work out. <laughs> like <laughs> Shocker there. <laughs> so I, I did do like a Kickstarter and we in one day we had like 13,000 euros. So it went really, really good. But I almost had a burnout. Hmm. It was so much. It was like more, more than 1,000 unique visitors every day on our website. And I couldn't handle all the pressure, you know. Everybody you was need like, to deliver. And you need end. to deliver in yeah. the end. And, um, you know, I put the target at 25,000, uh, but I needed like 80,000. And I was like, okay, if I hit like 25,000, I can't do it, yeah. you know. So, and at that point, I was like, you know, for, for, for that weekend, I was like, oh, I don't know how to do this, you know. It's, it's like blah, blah, blah. And, and then I, uh, I talked uh, with uh, Dick Bulls. Uh, that's... Uh, He's from uh, Startup Nijmegen. Mm -hmm. He's like an incubator in, in Nijmegen. Yeah. And I had a good talk with him. And um, he was like, yeah, you need some investors. You need a mentor, coach, investors, and stuff like that. Were you alone at the time when you were yeah. starting this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, I was alone indeed. And um, I was like, he, he's completely right. You can do these things alone, you know. Uh, Elon Musk has like ten tens of thousands of people working for him because he can't, you can't do, these, can't do these things alone. Yeah. So. At that point, I was like, okay, keep the Kickstarter as it is. I won't spend any time on it. Uh, just keep it going. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And um, maybe investors see it or whatever. And then it, it kept running for a month. We had a very good results. Uh, but I'm happy we didn't get the target. <laughs> and after that, I was, uh, you know, I was really thinking about uh, a new strategy how to do it and um, I had this presentation that I had to do at NEC Nijmegen at the Koffert mm -hmm. and uh, it was for this uh, it's a football club or a soccer club in the Netherlands yeah, for the people that are listening <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and um, it wasn't the presentation for the soccer club but it was like uh, a lot of um, was it the business club or something like it that it was a business club yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. And I did a presentation and I just finished with like, I need a hundred thousand euros. I need an investor who's in. Yeah. And it didn't really work out. <laughs> but at, uh, at the end, uh, my new, my, my, yeah, say it, my financial advisor, but also for contracts and legal and stuff like that, uh, former CFO of different uh, big companies, uh, he, he, he approached me with a, with a beer in his hand. And he was like, maybe I can help you out. And that was the start of, you know, uh, sitting with a professional, looking at uh, what do we really need? Mm -hmm. You know, what's the amount of money that we need? Um, and then I, I had a lot of expertise from the plastic industry. I know who can produce these kind of things. And then we were like making a team. You know, we were talking with different investors. We were talking with a lot of different uh, factories. Uh, with banks, with subsidiaries, um, how do you call subsidiaries, it? Subsidiaries, yeah. Subsidiaries. And then, um, well, we got the first investors in 
I, I think that's like four months later, we got the first investors. Uh, we talked with seven different factories and then we uh, got the best deal with one factory that's in the Netherlands, in Didom, called Hollands. Mm. They really believe in our concept and uh, our mission, our vision and what we want to do. So they uh, they wanted to um, not not just produce the product, but also invest in it. Yep. And so we got the investors, we got the factory, and then we talked with the banks, and they really loved it as well. Because you have you have a prototype, you have something that they can ta- yeah they can touch, see you know yeah. they can feel it, they can yeah. touch it. It's not just pictures. And well, then it didn't really w- went well with the first investors. Like we worked for three months together, and then we separated, hmm. and then we almost, yeah. You yeah. almost lose your investment, of course. I mean, exactly, yeah. you lose your investment, but also the bank is, you know, goes along. If the investor goes along, if the factory goes along, but yeah. at that time we almost lose lost the investor, bank, and the factory. And That's kind of a chain everything reaction. Everything was gone. Yeah, yeah, there was a chain reaction, but. At that same time, we were talking with a second investor, Wouter Mukotte, who is also the co-founder right now. Mm. And he, he really, he's, he's a great guy. You know, he really believes in, uh, in our mission and he, he understands why we have to do this. And he was like, even though the other investors, uh, we stopped with them, I will still invest. So he invested. We got to the factory again. We did a presentation. We got them convinced again. Then we got the Rabobank convinced, and then we got all the money together just to start this thing. Okay, and um, so you create the bottle. Well, the 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 actual sugar cane and stuff like that is in Brazil. Um, exactly. So yeah. how how do you how do you get to a person in Brazil, right? <laughs> that's that's yeah. also a thing. How do you how did you actually get that that kind of sugar cane pl- plantage? Uh, how how do you get that on board? So how do you find that? Yeah, good question. So, in, in that two years that I worked for the for the for the for my last for the last company, mm-hmm. uh, I learned a lot about stakeholders and material suppliers and stuff like that. So I knew exactly where to find it. And there's this company called Fcure in Germany, and uh, Steven Schuitema is my contact person over there, and he's great. And I I I talked with him also in the beginning when we just had the prototype. You know, just to make sure that we can get the right material for this product, you know, because we were designing something um, based on a material that we wanted. So it wasn't a design and then material, it was material then design. Mm. So that's that's a complete different way of think- design thinking. Yeah. And um, so... Uh, we we I talk with him and they import the the material from Brazil. Um, so they already have a contact there. They have a contact there, and mm-hmm. uh, the company is called Braskem, who does that in Brazil. They import it uh, and they put additives in it if you want it, uh, and they can deliver it to the factory, and then we can produce it, and then we can spread it. Yeah, because you you actually produce it in the Netherlands, right? So the the, the whole product is basically dutch the only thing that's from brazil is actually the the material right exactly so we i just wanted to prove that we can make uh, a product from bioplastic in the netherlands completely like so uh the the design is made in dutch 
in, in Holland. Yeah. Um, the toolings, the tooling, all the tools are made in, in the Netherlands. Um, and we produce in the Netherlands. And we can still have a very financial, sustainable uh, business model. Hmm. And this is the proof that, it's, that it is possible to make great things from bioplastics. You know, this is a CO2 positive bottle. Like yeah. We take more CO2 from the air than we uh, put it in there, you know? Mm. And we show that it is possible. And that's the, that's the whole idea of bio. Make reusable lifestyle products yeah. from different bioplastics and show people that you can have a great design with great functionalities for a reasonable price. Yeah, and the, 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 the big point here is that... Uh, that um, when people think about bioplastic, they all, all almost automatically think about the degradability, right? So they will think, okay, if you throw this uh, somewhere in nature, <laughs> it will yeah. just dis- disappear. But it's not like that, right? No, it's it's not like that. Not definitely not for all bioplastics. Like yeah. you have bio-based and biodegradable uh, plastics. Uh, no, like bio-based plastics and biodegradable bioplastics. Yeah. And like a PLA is biodegradable, but only under certain uh, circumstances. So you have to compost it. If you throw it away outside in your garden, well, it it will stay there for years, you know? (laughs) Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Because it doesn't have the right circumstances, the bacteria and the moist and stuff like that. Mm. And and also for our product, it's also don't throw it away. (laughs) Yeah. But... Um, when you give value to a product, and that's why I'm always talking about making lifestyle reusable products, um, then people don't throw it away. Like when you go and buy, uh, let's say, uh, a Mars, mm. and you got the wrap around it. Mm. So you buy the, the Mars, not for the packaging, but what's inside the packaging. Yeah, the chocolate bar. Exactly. Yeah. And when you finish the chocolate bar, you feel a bit bad but also good. <laughs> <laughs> of course, everybody's been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you want to get rid of the, <clears throat> the plastic because it's garbage. Mm. You didn't pay for the plastic. You don't want that, yeah. you know. But for us, you, when you buy our product, there's air in it. You're not paying for air. You're paying for the object itself. Yeah. So it has much more emotional value for you. So you won't throw it away. Yep. You don't see a dopper in the ocean. No, uh, actually, I got a dopper, I think, uh, a few years ago, and I still have it. So uh, it, it does, uh, it, I get why it's, it, it's not the, the product is not the thing that's within, uh, as you said, it's, uh, it's a psychological thing, right? So it's, you, you bought the bottle, you didn't buy the, the, the contents of it, you didn't buy the water in it, because there is no water in it, right? That's exactly, exactly. So you keep it with you. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what kind of effects the plastic has on the environment and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, how do you how do you feel uh, that bioplastic will solve those kind of those kinds of things? So, uh, we talked a little bit about the plastic soup and stuff like that. Do you think there is uh, that bioplastic will solve uh, part of that problem, or how do you how do you view it? Um, well. The recyclability is not getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still the same, especially if you have like drop-in bioplastics as what we use, uh, then you can just recycle them together with oil-based plastics. So the recyclability will not get better. Uh, it will stay the same if you have drop-ins. Um, the plastic soup for the materials that we have at the moment, well, there are maybe 
several materials that evaporate in the ocean and and fish can eat it like that that's that's great yeah but you cannot use it for products like this you know if you have if you have water in your bottle and that bottle evaporates within one day yeah that's not, that's not sustainable <laughs> as well you know yeah. so um for the moment there's not a bioplastic that will evaporate uh, evaporates in the oceans uh but you can also use it daily like uh, the bio bottle yeah uh, but I think in the future, what a dream of mine would be having a bioplastic that can evaporate within six weeks, or let's say between two to six weeks in the ocean. If it gets in contact with some substances in the oceans that you can't find in the water that we drink every day. Yeah, yeah. So in a specific situation uh, that it will uh, dissolve, because there was some uh, video going around about some. Some people, I think it was in Indonesia or something like that, where they had like the the, the plastic quote unquote uh, bags uh, that were made from cassava, right? So it was just people could eat it, right? That's that's the thing. They it just dissolved into water. But as you said, those are kind of uh, small bags that you can use for groceries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, you're not going to use that for I don't know five months or something like that, or a year or whatever. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that you're referring to is that. Uh, it's there is no material that can be sustained for a longer period of time that can also evaporate. That's that's yeah. basically it. Because if you look at the plastic packaging in the food industry, which yeah. is the largest percentage of all plastic in the world, um, there's food in it. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, and yeah. the plastic itself has a lot of great barriers. So for oxygen, for uh, a lot of things, so that bacteria doesn't get in. You know, so the, the, the food stays um, um, fresh for longer. Fresher for longer. Yeah. So it's a very good thing, you know, especially if you look at the food waste that we have right now, like one third of all the food has been thrown away. You know, yeah. we, don't have a, we don't have a food problem, food shortage problem. We have a, a behavior problem with how we manage food. Yeah. Like, especially in a Western country, we uh, waste a lot of food at the end of the chain. So if we don't eat it uh, on time or we don't it like doesn't that get part, sold. you know, you just throw it away yeah. or it yeah. doesn't get sold. Uh, but at the developing countries, they have it at the beginning. So because they have bad infrastructure and stuff like that, all food gets wasted in the beginning. Yeah. So, um, so plastic has a lot of advantages as well. And I think we have to make a material that uh, can uh, keep those advantages. And at the other hand, recycle. We have to recycle as much as possible. And the new materials that we put in the plastic industry have to be made from a renewable resource called bioplastics. Yeah, and where do you, where do you think uh, this will go in the future? So you're, you're obviously on a mission to to create kind of products that are uh, that you that are. You you have thought about it, right? So you have thought about okay, is this is this a bioplastic? Is this uh, a good design? Because that's just uh, for the for the yeah. I mean, I, I've I've seen the bottle in my hands right now, and it's it feels like it's it, there. There's a thought behind it, right? So there, mm-hmm. everything's been thought thought about. And w- what's kind of the next step? So you want to create a whole 
a lifestyle brand of products, right? So yeah. uh, could, could you tell a little bit about that, what you wanted to do? So I have uh, a vision to change the complete plastic industry. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really big vision. I have it completely in my mind, but we have to make some steps. And the first steps that we need to make is make sure that the consumers are aware of our of bioplastics and that they demand it from the other companies as well. Yeah. Um, because that way you will transition, uh, make the faster transition to bioplastics. So yes, what you said, we will we will develop around about fifteen products, fifteen lifestyle reusable products within the next ten years. Um, let's say one is made from alga, the other one is made from cassav, the one is made from miscanthus, it's like elephant grass in Dutch, olifant gras. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you can also make it from starch. You can make from seaweed there are so many different options but the consumers they don't know it so i didn't we, know it before i met you <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know that you can make it from those kind of uh, from those materials yeah because we're all focused on the plastic soup but there are different challenges as well in the plastic industry mm. and we want to address that so every product has its own story you know oh you look at my lunchbox it's made from uh, elephant grass or uh, look at my coffee tea mug to go it's made from uh, coffee grounds you know, and every product shows that it is possible for a reasonable price and a very cool design with great functionalities. Yeah. So that's that's bio lifestyle products. But next to that, I uh, I also want to develop new bioplastic materials. So there are a lot of waste streams that are not being used, uh, except making it you know, messed from it. How do you call that? Yeah, fertilizer. Yeah. Fertilizer. Yeah. So we are looking with the company in Nijmegen at the moment to make from, uh, yeah, from coffee grounds to make a, a new bioplastic, mm. you know? So that's biomaterials because you cannot, you can't make all the bioplastic from sugarcane because you have to plant <laughs> a lot of massive sugarcane you that's know not, that's not the solution yeah that's not the solution yeah, it yeah. is possible yeah. it is possible i i made a calculation and uh, the calculation was if we eat uh if if we if we eat let's say if if, if we daily eat 200 grams of meat every day if we could only eat 190 grams so 10 grams less we have enough land in the world to go 100% bioplastics on sugarcane. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. And um, so it, in theory, it's possible. But I want to show that it's also possible to make it from other materials. And you need to have the cellulose from the plant or, you know, the, the waste stream uh, mm. to put it, you know, to make different uh, bioplastics from it. So we're looking at that. So that's biomaterials. Yeah, bio lifestyle products, and in the future, I want to start a, our own uh, plastic uh, uh, injection molding uh, companies. Yeah. So uh, bio uh, factories. Yeah. And that create products for different companies, right? So for yeah. uh, I don't know for the car industry or whatever, uh, wherever they need plastic. That's basically it. Yeah. So let's say uh, uh, we have a lot of experience in ten years. Yeah. You know, we, a lot of, we know a lot of things. We know uh, at some point we will know how to make bioplastics from different waste streams. We, we, we have informed the consumer about bioplastics. There's a demand from consumers for bioplastics. We make the bioplastics, but we can also produce the product for you. 
Hmm. So if your factory doesn't know a lot about bioplastics and how to work with them, or just doesn't want to do it, they can, can just order it at your place. Yeah, <laughs> just come at us. You yeah. know, if Dapper wants to produce their product at our place, they are completely welcome. Yeah. So that's that's the future of bio. Yeah. And that's I think that's the way how to impact the complete plastic industry. Um, and if that works really well for the for the Netherlands, we can just adopt it in all the countries in the world. Yeah. So it's more of a a culture shift in that sense uh, because as you said a lot of people don't even know about it they don't even know that you can make plastic from these kinds of things uh, which will impact it of course uh, it will impact the, the the waste that we have and stuff like that but um i i was wondering uh, you were talking about the mission because the mission is pretty big <laughs> yeah. but why do you feel so strongly about it so wh- why why do you really feel so strongly about that of course, everybody knows it has to change, but mm-hmm. why do you feel that uh, you can make that impact? That's a really good question. It's a hard one, I know. I'm here for the hard, hard questions. Yeah. I think it's, the, it's the, the dream and the visions that I had as a child of 12 about having my imperium, empire, yeah. you know? Um, and when I got a bit older, I got more conscious about what we're doing to this, uh, to this world and the beautiful world that we live in. And at the end, the earth itself won't die. The people will die because earth will adapt itself. Yeah. But people cannot adapt if they don't have the right technology. Yeah. So earth will go on. But I think if, the, if you want to keep the population alive and have beautiful lives for everybody, this is something that we have to do as well. Mm. And I worked it within that plastic industry and I saw that the change won't come by itself. And won't come from that industry No, No, you have to accelerate that transition as fast as possible. And I see it in my head. I have a very clear picture about how we can do it. And I think it's, it's, we can do it 100%. Mm. But yeah, it will need some time. You'll need some hard work. You need some people as well. <laughs> we need people, and I learned that two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a team of five right now, and we are all doing a great work for a great mission. And uh, yeah, all props to them as well. Yeah, it's it's going pretty well uh, as as far as I could I can hear from you. So I have one more question to wrap up. Uh, yeah. This is a question I always ask at the end. What are you most proud of since you started? Wow. Um, I'm all about the hard questions again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I have a lot of uh, different things that I'm proud of. Uh, I remember I had a dinner with Paul Polman from Unilever, CEO. Very cool. At some point, I had a presentation with Ed Nipples uh, in front of, uh, yeah, let's say, a uh, CEO audience. Yeah. It was really cool as well. Last year, I won the, the Best Picture of Nijmegen Award. But I think uh, what I'm most proud of is that this product is, is real now. You know, two years ago, I visioned it. I had it in my mind. And it wasn't reality, and now it is. And I think that's, uh, yeah, you know, it proves to me that if you have a vision, and if you think about it more than enough every day, and that vision gets really clear and you work hard, you make the right plans, yeah. get the right people, 
everything is possible. And this is a real example of what is possible when you envision it. Very cool. A very interesting story. It's inspiring uh, also to me just to see someone that's uh, that's really that really wants to make an impact, right? I, I think that's that's the the key here is that you really need to want it, right? If you if you went into this like with fifty percent of your energy, it it wouldn't work, right? You need to no. give your all and really believe in that you can do it. That that makes the difference. I mean, that makes the difference in all kinds of things. I mean, it doesn't have to be starting a company. Right, it can be also just you on the as an employee if you yeah. want to make that change. Definitely, right? definitely. Yeah. Like, I'm happy that not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur because I that wouldn't, wouldn't have any. <laughs> I wouldn't have any people that you know want to work for me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, without those people, it wouldn't even be possible. Yeah. Okay, I want to thank you uh, for your time. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Thank you for your time, Ahmed. And uh, for the audience, you can find me on www.biobottle.com. Yeah. And B-O is B-E-O. Yeah. Bottle.com. Very cool. Thank you again. And uh, for the listeners, uh, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on uh, bitsvsbytes.com and on all uh, major podcasting platforms. And of course, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, LinkedIn. It's all Bits vs. Bytes. And I would like to thank you for listening. And until next time.